Remember, boys, and I'll, and I'll start with this. Everything is based on our intention. Mm. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make things flow and make things easy. So remember, we, we start, if time with anything to do, start with intention and start with the dua. Inshallah, I'll start, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa ant khalaqtani wa na'abduk wa na'lahdika wa'adika mastata'at. A'udhu bika min sharri ma sana'at. Abu laka min i'matika alayh. Oh Allah, there is no deity worthy of worship but you. You have created us and we are on your covenant as much as we can be and awaiting your promise. We seek refuge with you from all the evil that we have committed and admit your favor upon us and admit our faults. So please forgive us. For none except you, forgive the sins. Oh Allah, allow us to drink from the Rasulullah's hand in Al-Kawthar. Oh Allah, shed us in the day of judgment is no shade but yours. Oh Allah, keep our intentions only for you. Oh Allah, we ask of you and only of you to help the Muslim Ummah. Oh Allah, we ask of you and only of you to help the Islamic Ummah. We ask of you to share us in their judgment with no shade but yours. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. On that, because you just started with that, has there been a, maybe because I was like a, a couple of years ago, I used to see you quite frequently when I was working with you. And obviously I was intending to go overseas, study the deen or whatever, learn some Arabic here and there. And I felt like now, today, even when I had a chat with you maybe two weeks ago, there was like a shift in your own perspective on Dean. Maybe like a bit more, you might say, I don't know, you're to your journey, maybe more committed or something like that. But it's a personal journey. Do you feel like there's been a shift? You know, maybe like consciousness? Uh, or I, th- I think, subhanAllah, you know, when, when I first came to Islam, in the sense of practicing, mm. you know, we all, we all make a decision, 18, 19, 17, you say to yourself, this is real. You know what I mean? You start really believing. Mm. Instead of mum telling you pray, pray fast, you really make that conscious uh, belief. And I think everyone goes through their journey trying to find the truth, you know. Um, I think, you know, one of the best advice I was ever given was in Sydney because at that time I was engaged. And, um, and I really had a difficulty because at that time I didn't understand Salafi, Sufi, Habashi. I didn't understand these different uh, denominations in our community. So when I was engaged there, I was sitting with my future brother-in-laws at that time and, and one was a Salafi, one was a Habashi, one was a Alawi. So there was about six brothers different and they're all arguing, all absolutely arguing about different aspects of our deen. Akida, this, and I'm like, what's going on here? And they go to me, where are you from? I said, Melbourne, well, he's your teacher. And at that time I was part of Isna. And the brother goes, oh, you're a Salafi. <laughs> Welcome, sit down. I'm like, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, okay. This is interesting. Mm. I, uh, at that time, I, my na- I was very naive in thinking that Islam was for everybody in the sense of we're all the same. But quickly at that time, I didn't. I, re- I realized. I said, I got to go back and do some homework. And Subhanallah, that time I was in Lakemba and I went to one of the bookstores in there. And there was an old man that used to run a bookstore there. And I walked in and I was frustrated. He looked. You can see it in my face. And I walked in and I said, "Brother, give me a book that I can follow, so I won't get misguided." <laughs> And he starts laughing at me. And he goes, brother, take it easy. And I was, I was only young then, 21. And I was very feisty. You could see that. He goes to me, I'll give you a piece of advice that was given to me. And then he mentioned it in the Quran that Allah says, oh, you who want me, I will never misguide you. And he goes to me, brother, I advise you, don't leave any organization unturned. Go, see them, meet them. And that's finally what I did. 
And that's what I advise all my Muslim, Muslim brothers and sisters. If you want the truth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never misguide you. And that's the biggest problem with our community at the moment. They're all teaching, you know, I'm right, they're wrong. You know what I mean? And that mentality mm. is ain't a mentality. Because that journey, like you're saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open your heart. And you'll find the truth. As long as you're sincere. That's why we come back to intention. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always, always bring you back to the truth as long as your intention. And we've had our own journey. We've made our mistakes. We've, it's all part of the journey. As long as you're recognizing and... It's good in every organization. It's good in every organization. You just got to be able to see when they're trying to put the blinkers on. Every organization is trying to say, hey, look at it our way. And you got to be able to say no. I want to have a wider perspective of what's happening out there. Mm. There's nothing wrong with knowing. You got to take the good. And everybody's got good, subhanAllah. Every organization does. That's why yeah. me and Ibo support most masajid because yeah. we don't support them for them. We support it for Allah's sake. Yeah, and that's the, hard, that's the hardest thing. Like, subhanAllah, I was just telling you maybe last time we were speaking, I had a brother come to me and goes, Brother, what are you? I'm like, What do you mean? <laughs> Is you Salafi? I go, I said, Brother, I'm Muslim. And he didn't, couldn't understand the concept. He goes, but you help Abu Hamza, you help Brother Mahmoud. He's a side. You, yeah. he, he, <laughs> goes, he goes, he goes you, you, you help, uh, you know, we've helped Habashis at school. You know, what are you? And we're like, we're Muslims. I said, but they still make, why do you help everybody? <laughs> yeah. And like, brother, I said, Haha, this is the problem. I said, the biggest problem in our community is that if I do it for Abu Hamza, then on the day of judgment, all I'm going to eat from Abu Hamza. I said, if I do it for Brother Mahmoud, then again, I'm limited. Mm. This is the biggest problem in our community. Usually we're doing it for somebody's sake and then we're only going to get that sake. And on day judgment, we're not going to get no reward for it. Because if, if that's the case with the Christians, they're going to come stand for Jesus, peace be upon him, and say, Isa, we did it for you. And he says, I, I didn't ask you to do this, mate. That's on the day of judgment. That's Isa, alayhi salam. Can you imagine how many people are going to be standing in front of Abu Hamza and how many people they're going to say, oh, I did it. But where's the intention? Mm. So we've always been... Uh, of people, inshallah, we've always said, inshallah, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no problem. But for anyone else, leave him alone. Because the, re the, reward, the reward is so much more. Mm. And it makes sense, there's more opportunities all in these different aspects. And it's the hardest thing, because in your heart, we're talking about in the heart of hearts, yeah? Mm. No benefit, especially when you're doing something for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sake. You know? Allah, like, even goes back to myself, to your grandfather, Allah arhamu. Allah arhamu, yeah. Mm. When, you know, when he called everybody, Mashallah, he had influence within the community. Everyone would come. But what I learned being by his side was that people did it for him more than doing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because he had the influence. Yeah. How could you reject him when he's raised you up? How could you reject this human being after everything he's done to help you? For example, he's taught you a school. He taught you Quran. So when he calls upon these people, they'll come. Because mm -hmm. of why? Because, because of that man, his influence. Mm -hmm. But one thing he taught me was not here for me you're here for the bigger cause which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your community which is huge mm. yeah. comparatively that's why he had so many bridges within every Muslim community and every Christian community every Jewish community mm. he had those bridges why? because the intent was for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this mm. is where you get greatness yeah. mm. Alhamdulillah it's amazing because we had the privilege of uh, organising the burial you guys know that mm. and uh it was an amazement that, you know, one, one Christian leader, we're talking about one of the Coptic Christian Arabic leaders, came up to me and Ahmed, if it wasn't for Sheikh Fahmi, he wouldn't be here today. He brought me him. He brought him him. <laughs> so I'm like, 
Chicken. And, that, and that and that just shows you true Islam. In the sense when you when when you're when you become a Muslim, a true Muslim, you're humanitarian. Everyone and the Rasul had that in him, you know, like he would be walking past the grave, knowing as a non Muslim passed away, that's that's it, his time's finished. He's crying. Mm. You know what I mean? Well we've lost that as Muslims. Wallahi we've lost yeah. it as Muslims. Too busy worrying about ourselves. Yeah. Mm. But also our groups. Mm. Where it's like yeah. you'll care solas, more about solas. Yeah. Everybody's in their silos, bro. And this is the key, not not to sit in a silo. It's the hardest we, mental. We, uh, this works for everything and not only Deen, but dunya as well. Mm. Anything siloed is weak. Anything mm. inclusive is strong. This is the truth. Because Islam is so inclusive of being any colour, any race, any language. That's why it's so strong. When you become hidden, secularized, you're weak because you, mm. you're relying on that little thing. Mm. This is the, the key. The opening, always say, open those blinkers up. Don't let the blinkers come on. Any organization, no matter what, Islamically speaking, or we're talking about life speaking, it puts the blinkers onto you, it's not for you. Yeah, 100%. That's interesting. So I'm going to touch back onto what I was saying, just so the audience knows a bit about who you guys are, you know, because obviously, alhamdulillah, now you have uh, food businesses, you know, you do your networks, you have your leadership camp, but I wanted to rewind a little yep. and go back a bit about how you guys started, you know, because now two brothers in their 40s, yeah. but we know it didn't start interesting, recently. Interesting concept. Uh, I think it's, it starts back to when uh, we had a milk bar, I think. Milk bar. Yeah, we had a milk bar back in the old days. Yeah, I think everyone had. I think. I think every every uh, uh, <laughs> Lebanese audience could uh, reflect to that. That every Muslim had a milk bar <laughs> at one stage or another. You know that family business that uh, that was supposed to make the millions and give them the support they needed in their lifestyle. Uh, me and Ahmed, obviously, Dad had a heart attack back then, and we we started running the business. You know what I mean? Uh, so that, that that's the first business we actually managed, but we didn't manage in the sense of. We understood the entrepreneurship then, but we were more lifestyle and, you know, going out with friends. A there. Yeah. So that gave us a business to run. Yeah. How old are you guys? I was, uh, well, what, 22? Well, we were running the business at the same time. Yeah, and school as still. As also studying and mm. everything else. Okay. Mm. So it was, it was like a big juggle, especially that getting sick and not being able to run the business. And yeah, and chucking us in the deep end. The business. SubhanAllah, so me and Ibo like started learning about purchasing and going getting stock and putting the right stock in and mm. all these little things. And honestly, we never even looked at our margin. We just bought stuff and sold them. Hey, yeah. there's money left over. Great. Just you trying know what things, I mean? yeah. Whatever it is, it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I'll put some Batlawa in now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That'll sell the, you know, everyone. Yeah. Oh, great. You know, put a sandwich in or whatever. So SubhanAllah, it, uh, it was making money. And, and I always go back, SubhanAllah, even to those days when, we didn't have a clue in, in any business sense those days. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always the provider. Mm. He was sending people to buy and for us to have our sustenance. Mm. You know, And that hasn't changed this day. Comparatively with sustenance, it's just that we have more skill sets. We are more capable comparatively to where we were in business you know, 20, mm. 30 years ago. Yeah, 100%. Um, it started there, but in fact, it even started the... Started yeah, there then then went to Melbourne Driver Services, which is our first sort of startup business that we did. Yeah. Okay. So MDS. How old were you then? 
Yes, we started it in September 11, believe it or not. I remember me and Iba yeah. sitting in the garage doing a thousand key rings and a thousand memberships. Yeah. And then I, I walked out of the garage going onto the television watching the September 11 crash. Mm. That was uh, That's when we started it. We, ha we went to the small business expo, or the food and wine expo, that's right. Yeah. Went there and we did a stand, cost us like five Gs just to put a little oh, stand. Wow. And then we got onto 3AW, I got interviewed by 3AW, I buckled. Was <laughs> <laughs> uh, that your uh, first time, like being on set? Yeah, yeah that was my first the interview. Herald Sun did a, the Herald Sun did an article did a, did about a us. second page on us and our website crashed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 we were one of the first people to have a website yeah, those days, that you know what I mean? Days, we had a website yeah. that was database driven where you can go in there and register. We were the, honestly the first Ubers. Yeah, that, that, that <laughs> <so> that's <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. we were ahead of our time. We were ahead of our time yeah. because oh, wow. there was no infrastructure for it online. Yeah. Mm. Online. Yeah. So you know, we had phone lines set up in the garage where people call us, and we had a demographic for that product. We thought it's for everyone. Yeah. We noticed it was just for the people that are affluent who had the money to spend. Mm. Yeah. So we started getting big Cor customers, corporates. corporates yeah. You know, people got. You know, I started driving Porsches and. Bentleys and big ass cars that you know yeah. what I mean, and then we were twi I was twenty four, you know what I mean? Remember? Yeah, and I was I was only eighteen. It was just eighteen. I yeah. was eighteen because I couldn't. Uh, the problem is we were driving people. So the concept is anyway for the people that don't know what MDS is. So what we did, we found a loophole that people would go out and drink at the Crown Casino or anywhere else, and they'd have a problem. They'd catch a cab and leave their cars wherever they may be. So we came up with a concept. At that, at that time, all we wanted to do was pick up Vic Rhodes' contract. So we were pushing the business saying, all these booze buses, you know, you're driving past them and you see 10 cars. Yeah. You're just sitting there. So the only way, way you can get them home, towed or to be driven back. And usually the family member will say, oh, I just got pulled over. I'm over 0.5. Can you come pick me up? So we thought, why can't we be those people that pick them up and take them home? Yeah, that's mm. a good idea. You know smart concept. Yeah. Honestly, a smart and concept. And we, yeah. we at, at that time, we had the statistics. I think there was... 12 booze buses in Victoria doing the same thing, pulling over nearly 30 people. So we couldn't have enough customers to begin mm. with just doing that. But at that time, the, we sat down with uh, the Vic Road Senator. It didn't work out. They said we can't be seen yeah, they support, support, us. support a, we, we a, a non-profit, a, a business sense. Operations yeah. of Vic Paul. Yeah. We asked him, you know, can you guys call us if there's any cars there? They said we can't be supporting any business, but you can put your thing. But we noticed that the nightclubs was an idea, so we started doing nightclubs and we showed them that they got a social responsibility to... You know, say there's a product like this. So if you're getting, if you're drinking, you weren't supposed to, and your car's there, at least give them the option. So we went on the back of every single nightclub uh, toilet yeah. door. Like for free, the for free marketing. For free. Oh, okay, so that's yeah. how you market it. Because obviously yeah. no social media, well, none of this. Exactly, there's no the social media those yeah. days. Yeah. You can, like, so Liars. We printed we printed Melbourne Driver Services, uh, you know, A4 um papers and mm. we bought these little uh, yeah. clip-on things that we put in the back of the toilets and we'd go check up on them once a month and make sure they're still there yeah. and yeah. updated. Th in that time those billboards were like people go wow yeah. that's a great idea like and th that afterwards i don't know if you guys noticed became a marketing concept for people to put marketing in I've toilets seen that in movies yeah like there's always stuff on the walls and stuff yeah. but i didn't yeah. know like we, we started yeah, that yeah, for that melbourne driver services that mashallah was an amazing concept because we got that busy, like we had what, four cars on the road. Yeah, our old man used to help us out. Yeah, he used yeah. to be the one driving <laughs> behind us. Yeah, yeah. So we had this little Honda City that, you know, very fuel efficient. So two drivers would go together in the Honda City. Yeah. They'll, you know, one driver will get out, he'll drive the car and then get them to wherever the destination is. Yeah, I, nev I never had the actual opportunity to drive in the nice cars because 
the biggest problem we had exactly because yeah, the, the reality is people saying hey, how are you driving these Bentleys how are you driving these Ferraris how are you yeah, driving these, uh, these Porsches really so at that time we found a loophole in the insurance policies with that third party driver mm. so the third party driver if, if an access for instance at that time I don't know if it's changed a little bit but now if it's $800 for a non-declared driver it's $1,000 so, so, so we'd so we wear that so we'd make sure that they had a the third party cover as well mm. yeah no, I mean, not a non-declared driver was called, I think. Yeah, that was our first business. That was ages. Yeah. We learned so much through that. And again, we learned about marketing. We strategized through marketing, through expos and, you know, back of toilet, you know, doors and mm. any, many, many other ideas that we tried getting on 3AW, getting in the Herald Sun. We spoke, mm. you know, some PR and social. Yeah, it's... it's sort of Do you guys ever expect to, like, get calls, like, to go on, to go on 3AW, you know, the Herald, to get even get onto the Herald Sun? Yeah, it was... It was Subhanallah, you, d- you don't you don't foresee things mm. things like that, and honestly, like you you know, it's overwhelming that yeah. so many things happen out of nowhere. So you just take it as it comes. You know, you learn these yeah. skills. With, with media in general, what happens if somebody, you know, as they say, you know, releases the story, all other medias will take it Start if it's worthy, exactly. because mm. that's what they do. Yeah, that's that what they sense, do. You yeah. know what I mean? Especially like if you see what's happening now, something goes viral on TikTok, or you know, all of a sudden it becomes newsworthy on. You know, the project and all this Everything. Thing. They don't so want to miss out. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? So they want to hear the story or the background, of, you know? It's just getting in, really. Yeah. You know, it's just getting into one of the media, one of the yeah. main platforms, and then they all take you and start talking to you. But okay. 3RW was monstrous for us. Like, unbelievable how many people with phone calls we got. Like, nobody knew mm. that this thing existed where these drivers driving your car mm. home. Mm. And it's kind of low. Like, we, we picked up regular customers. We started taking people's cars and parking them at one stage because they wanted to go to the airport. So we thought we'll drive because okay. the people, a lot of people, can't believe how many yeah. people want to drink, drink before they get they in get the airplane. airplane. Yeah, oh, really? they get, they yeah, we were shocked. We couldn't anxiety. believe that. Yeah. <laughs> so they wanted to get on the plane, uh, you know, with a bit tipsy, a low island. But anyway, <laughs> so we'd drive them to the airport and then park their car for them and charge them a parking fee. Her mum's house. Her mum's house. Because she lived in Camberfield. Yeah, in Camberfield, which is close yeah, to the airport. That's not bad, yeah. And we could uh, park six we, cars there. Yeah, and we covered them and everything and made sure. Nobody's going to drive him. And, you know, and Armand would, nice would try to stop me from taking the cars to Chapel Street. <laughs> at, that, at that age, I was 18 years old. Do you know what I'm yeah, trying to say? Nice car, who, who doesn't want to take a brand new M3 to Chapel Street? Exactly. Yeah. And you know what I mean? So it was very tempting. He'd kill me. He'd actually take the keys. Yeah. Oh, man, I remember. Yeah. I remember like, oh, my God. Well, no, that was our crazy that, ass cars. Yeah, that was our first. We're talking about like, you know, two, three hundred thousand dollars But he's cars. always he's always loved cars, you know, growing I've up. I've been into cars since I was a kid because I built my first race car when I was 18. But subhanAllah, Driving people's like I remember driving this Bentley man down Turak Road, picking up this guy's mother mm. from Turak. Mm. You know what I mean? I, dra- I picked up his car from uh, St Kilda, drove it to Turak, picked her up, and brought it to his house. That's what he wanted. Yeah. He wanted me to drive his car to pick up his mother. Yeah, yeah. you're living yeah. your dream job at 21. <laughs> 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 yeah, driving his fancy car. On that, I wanted to hear because you guys did pick up some. Um, so loose people. Do you have any stories that you just remember? Like that was. Oh, brother, we have some funny stories. Yeah, which is uh, one just for the audience, just so they got a take. Oh away. my god, uh, uh, it was the funniest one. The guy that vomited all over his Mercedes. <laughs> oh my god, your Mercedes. No, so, 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 so I picked up this guy. He was a regular every weekend. I pick him up at Crown. You know, I knew where he lived. And one night he had too much to drink. Usually, usually they don't. You know, you, you got to understand these guys are corporates. They're not like always. Over drinking and slob, you know what I'm trying to say. So they're yeah. just over the the speed, uh, the the alcohol limit, usually. You know what I mean? But this this particular time, I picked him up, them, yeah. and he was a professional gambler. That's all he did. 
this was, he was a professional gambler. And like I used to pick him up, he used to tell me stories. He, but he was a type of gambler that he'd play with ten thousand and make it fifteen and leave. He had the willpower to stop at oh, fifteen. That's actually hard. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So he he he'd make. He goes, I'm happy with five grand a week. I'm like, this guy's got the willpower. To, you know, and, yeah. and anyone that's uh, gambled, it's, it's it's a tough disease. It's a complete disease of control. Mm. And this guy controlled it. He'd make five grand. But this time, I think he got too drunk and lost all his money. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I picked him up and he was a bit slobbery. And then he's like, oh, you know, I lost all my money and this and that. And I said, yeah, I said, you know. It's part of these experiences that, that happened, which really show you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is protecting us from these things as well. Mm. You know, you experience these things, you, you're around these things, you start really understanding the why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is keeping these things away from us. But this particular uh, day, night, he, he vomited all over his own car. But he assumed he was in another car. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Because he was still, you know what I mean, under yeah, the influence. So he vomited, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll get <laughs> it clean. And I'm opening the window. At that time, there was no electrics. It's just there, you know. And I'm like, it's okay, mate. It's your car. He goes, what do you mean it's my car? Anyway, the next morning, he, call, he called me. He goes, it's in the air vents. It's in the air vents. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'll teach you a lesson. Teach you a lesson not to, you know, over drink. And uh, it was these kind of stories that happened. I love it. You know, yeah. one, one time, another one, uh, Alpha Romeo, brand new Alpha at that time. Oh, that was a funny one. Unbelievable. And, 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 and usually before we take any job, we have to get the address we're, we're dropping off. Yeah, pick up and drop but off. But this guy's secretary booked his, 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 his booking. So, and I, I said to the lovely lady, I said, listen, we can't take any booking. No, no, no. My, my, my boss will be okay. He'll give you the address. I'm like... We can't be taking no, 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 and they were paying good money. Mm. You know what I'm trying to say? So I think it was a corporate customer. You know, this guy's a CEO of a company, Alfa Romeo. How, how bad this, could this be? I picked him up at a Japanese restaurant in, in the city. I never forget. And my dad was with me, Allah Hamu. and and my dad always used to support us. Alhamdulillah. I think that's probably the key as well of anything. I think uh, having the blessing of your parents. Mm. But anyway, so I picked up this guy, pure corporate. You know. Uh, you know, top end of town, you know, dressed in maybe a $3,000 suit at that time. He was over, overly intoxicated. And I'm like, sir, I need your address. Oh, you know, no problem. Just get me in the car. I'll take you. I'll guide you. That's what he's thinking. <laughs> it's going to be my Google Maps. At that time, there's no Google Maps. There's no Google there. Yeah. So Malway. you can imagine. Yeah, Malware. Yeah, yeah, so sometimes business. I would have to open Malware and know pre, what's going pre on. Predestiny. You know, where, where are you yeah. going to go? You know, you predestined your trip and then, you know, yeah. like, I'm going to Exactly. That's why right. it's very yeah. important now, for me to get simple. the address so I can, you know, get a fair Move idea where I'm going. Anyways, this particular customer, he's like, and I'm like, Driving, I knew he was in. Uh, uh, he was towards uh, what was it? Doncaster, that area, Templestone. I knew the area, but I didn't know exactly where. So I'm driving towards there on the freeway, and he's like, and he'd wake up. Where are we? I'm like, <laughs> where? I need your address, sir. No, don't worry. Just wake me up oh, when you get close. And I'm like, <laughs> that's so annoying. And I'm like, what am I gonna do with this bloke? So I thought I'll pull over. The best way is get his wallet. You know, get his license. Yeah. Best way, or I'll open the gov compartment. Usually, people have their their Vic Roads, uh, yeah. what's it called? At that time, they used to have stickers for the for re registration. And in a way, so I'm searching through the car, I pulled over, so now I'm in the passenger seat on the freeway, double parked. My dad's behind me with flashing lights. And this guy, I'm, now I've found nothing in the glove compartment, so I thought, I've got to search this guy's pocket. So as I'm searching his pocket, the guy wakes up, what are you doing? Robbing me? I'm like, <laughs> no, sir, I'm your driver, I'm taking you home. And he goes, no, you're not, you're robbing me. I can see you. He gets out of the car. He goes, I'm driving myself home. I go, sir, what are you doing? Sir, I've got to take you home. You're under the influence. 
no, I'm driving home. I don't care. I said, sir, he goes, he hops in the driver's seat, closes the door and does the runner. And now I'm outside the freeway looking like, like I'm stunned mullet and my dad's shaking his head. And my dad goes, I go, what? what's wrong with this bloke? He just left. And then he, then he stops and he chucks out money because he hadn't paid me yet. But those times there was no credit card. Yeah. yeah. He chucks out money and then my dad drives up. We pick up the money. I'm like, Dad, what do we do with this bloke? He goes, done, son. You've done your best. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like I go, Dad, I go, I've got to do diligence. This follow guy, him, follow this, him. This, guy, this guy, I've got to make sure. He goes, oh, we'll follow him for 10 minutes and see where he ends up. <laughs> so we hopped in and we follow him on the freeway. He was going left and right. He turned off and Dad goes, that's it. Don't worry. And, and, and I called up the next day the secretary and yeah. she goes oh he, thank you very much for the service and like what the guy <laughs> I don't know how he got home but he got the, home. Yeah, so these are kind of funny oh, moments we've had, we've had yeah. funny oh well, that day I, I called Ahmed he, we, we, we actually literally shit ourselves because the, the was our responsibility something happened to him mm, you know what I mean but yeah. I couldn't do anything so he just hopped in the car so and yeah. nicked off and oh, it's bro. interesting that like when you're young you kind of saw people like they say, like the disgusting side of the gambling, the drinking, the clubbing, like you'd see. And it's like, I never want to do that. You know, Ali and I, we went to Amsterdam when I was 18. And obviously Amsterdam, the first thing you, first thing you smell is weed. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, this is so cool. And all the vibes. <laughs> and we're like, and then after like four hours, we're like, you know, it's a bit disgusting now. And that's all you can smell for yeah. like three days. And that's all everyone's doing. And that, it's like, so it wasn't the nicest city. But at first, everyone like sees the facade of like clubbing and drinking and gambling. It's like it's amazing. Mm. And then you saw these people who might be depressed and vomiting every night and hating yeah. life. And it's 100%, like hundred percent, hundred percent. Look, look, I, I, I totally believe. I, I don't know. It all comes from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. He's the one who opens the eyesights and the hearing. You know, I, 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 we always go back to that. Like, what's the call that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala brought us back to the Deen? What's you know, and it comes back to the Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. He's the one who thinks you're worthy and he will open and close. You know, but we come back to testament that, you know, I think that's our parents. Only the reason, the dua at night, the mm. Kiyam and Lel they used to do. I remember I used to come home at one o'clock in the morning. I used to see my mama making dua. Now as, oh, a, as, wow. as a father of four, I understand the power of that dua. Mm. You know what I mean? We all might lose our ways and we might make mistakes, but I think the power of that at home, yeah. of dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's the most, most merciful. So he'll he'll bring whomever he pleases back only on, on, that, on that condition, I personally believe. Because I look back at our lives and I'm thinking, you know, we lost a lot of friends along the way. Some people did still did, you know, didn't find their way. And we say, what what makes us different, you know? And we, we, we say we can only come back to that from our parents. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's a multiple. One is it's amazing having good parents who are, who are connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make dua for you. But two, also... When we commit to doing chair and yeah, good action, being yeah. honest, like I've seen a lot of you know guys that we grew up with ended up in jail or dead or many many places. But Subhanallah, it's, it goes back again to your intention. Mm. You know, a, a lot of a lot of people have that intent of money, power, position, etc., etc. And and when your intention is at its core, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and people always asking how how could I get it to that core business you know but w when you can work with action constant action with good intention Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up not only your basar to the world but your basira as well you, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes you feel things. Makes you feel like you're going down the right track. Mm. Mm. And that's the basira, which, which is also very sensitive. Because as soon as you commit wrong, as soon as you start looking at the wrong things, or mm. anything enters within you as haram, your basira gets closed. So you, you, you're walking in the dark. Mm. You're, not, you're not walking in light. And, and that's the problem, and I think, and I think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us that light to see where we're going. Sense. That, that's, that's the key. How can you walk around in the dark? You're sort of stabbing all over the place. You know, where am I going? You're going that way, that way. But when the basira is open, and, and the basira only opens when you have good intention and good action. Sincerity. Yeah. Yeah, it's very hard. A lot of people have good intention, but you know, oh, I want to do good. I want to do good, but they're still stuck in bed at four in the morning or five in the morning. They're not getting up for fajr. Mm. You know what I mean? It's the action that proves your intention. That's where I, I truly believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up these pathways and these lights and the nur that guide you to do the right things and, and keeps the haram away from you and keeps the good people close. Yeah, 100%. You can't do it by yourself anyway. You need other good people around you. So yeah, you need that support yeah. circle. Um, so you, at 24, you started this car business. When did it um, like move on to maybe being like one of your businesses, become like a full-time that was my, you know. At that time, that was, that was, that, that was a side hustle. Yeah, so that was a side hustle. hustle. Yeah, I want to like speed it up to the stage where it was like at 32, for example, this business was when it became full time. Like, mm. when did it hit that stage from side hustle? And what was that business? Because uh, you guys did start a so couple so of businesses. Yeah. So, Fiesta, Fiesta was the first sort of full, core business that full was full, full blown where we left our job. Mm. So, for myself, I did security as a side hustle, first and foremost at 18. Then we did Melbourne driver services together. That's correct, yeah. And then after that, uh, the f- we started doing events as a side hustle from my garage. Yeah. So we started okay. doing events catering through. And the key was there, our intent was for the Muslim community because there wasn't really good products out in the Muslim community uh, in the food industry. Like the, we were doing corn, orange juice. Yeah. We were doing good product, healthy products, mm. d- well done. And subhanAllah, that grew from doing it only for the Eid festivals to become a full-blown 280 events a year business. Mm. You know, and as you guys yeah. were involved in that, of course. Yeah. Oh, don't know, worry, I remember. Uh, Ali's got some stories. You can't, you can't forget those days. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as they say, hard times build great men. Mm. You know what I mean? And these are the, the true hard times that we faced, working really hard. Mm. And as brothers told me, that's blood money, you know? <laughs> working in the events yeah. game is blood money. Yeah. Yeah. But it builds character, capacity, ability. Mm. Yeah, the Things that you can never take away from me. And, and that's, I think we started Fiesta when me and Ibo decided, Ibo left Islamic Finance, I left the Department of Justice and we said, let's go lease this warehouse. And I remember mm. $65,000 lease, mm. we only had like five grand in our account. So we're thinking, we're gonna, how are we going to pay the rent? And this place was uh, 400 square meters, 500 square meter yeah. warehouse. Oh, wow. and we rented it and we're thinking, how are we going to fill this place up? It's huge, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it's hey, do you remember the warehouse in Brunswick that we had the first yeah. one? That was like, we thought that was huge. Yeah. And then subhanAllah, we're bursting at the seams after what, four years. Yeah. So, so what what age did you start at? You left Islamic finance? I Ibo was, was 24, I think. 26, 26. Okay, 26. you started so I just got married and... MashaAllah. Yeah. At that time, look, I think every person wants to find their their path, you know. I went from real estate to, you know, I was jumping around a lot. That time, I was even actually applying for jobs that I was, you know, that were overqualified. 
But uh, at that time, subhanAllah, you know, I have an opportunity to come into Islamic finance. Mm. At that time, it was, I think, still to this day, I think Islamic finance is the core of our community. Because the reality is access to, to monetary ability to buy and sell is, is really the, the core. At the moment, mm. we don't have it to the extent that I would like, but it's, it's the core to buy businesses, to buy mm. property, to... If infrastructure, you know, like the Italians who look at the Greeks here coming to Melbourne, you know, they've bought early, they've they've established themselves yeah. early, so now they they've got power and influence, you know. What I mean, even in, in government, you know, what I mean, I mean, back in the days when I was going to to St Joe's, you know, all my all my friends uh, at, the, at that time, their parents were all cleaners, you know what I mean. And now you look at the Greek community, the Italian community, they're, they're at the forefront of, uh, you know. Hello. On that, you spoke about growing up and your parents had a business, the milk bar, and obviously you guys helped out. And then you started multiple businesses and your dad was an influence helping you guys out. You could see that there was like, you guys always did business together. You know, like throughout those years with the milk bar and then you started the car rental. Mm. Was there when you were even going, like you left to do your own thing? Because were you guys doing the car rental at the same time? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So was there ever like a doubt with business within the family? Like even expanding to the area of full time, it's like okay, this is going to be our main income. The money is one mon- one brother going to be a bit like I want more money. Is there going to be politics in the family? My wives, you know, like that doubt. Because yeah, I, I think I think I think. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm touching no, on no, it. No, no, it's okay. It is, cause it, I think the most important thing I think, as brothers, uh, we had two uncles that were in business, and we, so we've seen that fall apart. We've seen those kind of things you're talking about, you know. One has that a nicer car yeah. and one doesn't. And we've seen that unfolding in front of us. And they had a pretty successful business in High Point, you know. And we've seen that. So we were very, very, very well aware of that. So before even Ahmed got married and I got married, we, we, we've, we've got values and we've got understanding between each other. It's the clarity between clarity each other. Clarity between each other. And we, we knew there was... Being nev- very transparent yeah. when it comes to where we're going and our intention. Mm. So this, this is key. You cannot build something without foundational work and the foundational mm. work there is both of us having key input and alignment to what we want and why we're doing it and that's one thing me and Eva always had clear is why we do we do what we do 100%. you can't get your why crystal clear that you can stipulate it in a single sentence you'll go astray because as soon as you diverge one centimeter away in three years, he's there and I'm there and both of us are not doing the mm. what we're both aligned. And that's what we do. We align a lot. Always go back to why we're doing what we're doing. Was this even from a young age, like your relationship in general? That's when we first got into the business. There's clarity there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah from Before a business perspective, yeah. So we, we, we built every business under building future leaders. Now, why do we do what we do? It's mm. about building future leaders. So it's not about doing great burgers. It's not about doing great pies. It's not doing great events. It's about the people that are involved and building people around us. And the best of us are the ones who are of most benefit. Rasulullah was the greatest benefit to humanity. Mm-hmm. So if we want to follow his footsteps, we need to be of benefit. And the way we do that, many is to our business. Mm-hmm. We are of mm-hmm. benefit. So we look at that. Does that make sense? Yeah, so yeah. Everything, no matter what it is. And you know, you look at you, your personal growth with us, You know, when mm. you guys with us. You guys didn't like that, but you guys grew. There's no doubt about that. You can't. Nobody can take those skill sets 
away from you guys when mm. you, you know, a pressure handling. It's like, mm. you know, it's like, yeah, honestly, still, like you said, I still remember to this day. I can never forget that. Yeah, like for me, honestly, like I remember the first few shoots my dad told me about it. It's like, oh, come work with like uncles and that. And then I was thinking, oh, you know, I'll give it a chance. I've never worked before. Once I realized like where it is, like it's at festivals, and I'm like, oh, I have to talk to people because I don't, I didn't like talking to people at the time. <laughs> you, even time you gave salams to me, you just know that it's like, okay, this guy, he needs to like, he needs to socialize. Build their soft skill sets. And then the you put me, parts. you put me behind like the cashier. I'm thinking, oh crap, yeah, that's go. the hardest job. Is <laughs> <laughs> that you put him in the most pressurized situations yeah. so they can grow? And I used to hate, like, I, I deep down I used to hate every shift because I had to talk to people. I had to like deal with you know getting slammed. <laughs> at like lunchtime <laughs> and stuff. It's like, oh my God. But it, it did build my character. Like, exactly. look, look at me now. I never thought I'd be here. But then it's like, you have to go through those tough times in order to grow. No doubt about it. You know, that's what we do. We put people in positions that are they're weak at. Mm. Why? Because our intent's about growth. Mm. This is what we do with all our staff. Where they're weak, we strengthen them. Mm. Because you, know, you can't be, <coughs> you can't have strength in only one thing. Mm. I mean, and this is the, like communication, mm. having, you know, ability to work under pressure physically, mentally and spiritually. So we're going to be putting under pressure under the physical aspect, the mental aspect and the spiritual aspect. You can conquer those three. Yeah. Mm. I think one, one important thing I want to touch on is that Islamically, I, you know, you speak to a lot of Muslims and the concept of getting hasanat for every time you're using that customer service skills that mm. you pick up, is me and Ahmed getting reward for it? And people are like, no, because the, the Islamic concept is, I've taught him how to re read Surah Baqarah, I'm going to get every hasanat every time he uses it. But Rasulullah taught us that it's in everything you, you give. Mm. And that's why, you know, in, in imagine a battle of war, they were tying up uh, non-Muslims in the mosque. Mm. And they said to him, we'll free you as long as you teach a Muslim how to read. Look at the, look at the understanding. Everything has its, its, its cause and effect. So when we give you uh, the ability to catch fish and use that any time, mm. we're going to have mm. And that's what me and Ahmed understand. Regardless of what, what skill set you pick up, whatever ability we give you, is we're getting hasanat every day of the week. Mm. It's the same thing if I'm teaching how to, say, how to pray. Does that make yeah, sense? It's funny, sure. I was talking to one of my managers this morning and I said, all our businesses are institutions of growth. Yeah, I like that. That's what I said to you this morning. Mm. We were talking about, you know, the difference between being a manager and being a leader. SubhanAllah, not many people understand the differences there, you know what mm. I mean? And if you can really get your head around understanding that there is a difference between a leader and a manager because when you manage, all you do is get the desired outcome of the business. When you lead, you inspire and motivate mm. others around you mm. to become more. More than the job itself. Exactly. And I said, this is, this is where people fail. They're not examples for people to look up to. If you want to be a leader, you need to perfect yourself. You've got to push yourself to that limit where you're always an example. And, and that's what we need as Muslims. We need leaders. We don't need mm. great managers. We have a lot of great managers. This is where the skill sets comes in. You know what I mean? Mm. This is where if you have an institution of Capacity. growth, successful and then, and then that's the that's the, that's the toughest thing that we, we see in our community at the moment we have a lot of hafiz but no leaders mm. you know what i mean and if he, if this if this person that's a hafiz can't really distinguish 
who he's speaking to and understand what's he serving. It's a scary. Skills. It's scary yeah. because I, th- I think we really do undervalue like the power of even just simple human interactions and the way we speak to people, even like to non-Muslims, 100%. because like we are minority. It is inevitable for you to work with non-Muslims or to work with different cultures, and you're you're going to make an impact no matter what you do with your interaction with them. 100%. And they're going to remember that on like how Muslims are. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um, going back to now, you guys starting Fiesta and stuff like that. Did you originally have that intention? Like, I w- we want to help build people because you guys are in your twenties, you know. Like that intention. It's like us. We can only do so much because we're on the journey. That's why we bring guests on who have kind of had success, you know. So how was that thinking at the start? Because obviously it can be a part of it, but then obviously there's maybe a, in a young I man's think mentality. The first thing I think for me personally, for me personally, was that. I wanted. I work in the Department of Justice those days, yeah, and I knew that I was a positive influence in my in the business because I bought. I was I got awarded alhamdulillah a lot in regards to what, what I did in the three four years I was at the Department of Justice, and I spent more time with those people than I spent with my own family, mm. and one one of my intents at the start was, I want to be in a positive influence on my own family. I want to be with my brother. I want to be with people I love, mm. and having a business. And I've always wanted, you know, having a business. And who else would I want it more than somebody I love and I care for and I want to have a positive influence towards as well. So that's why I've always constantly pushed to having a business with my brother yeah. and, and having, because I don't forget, Angie used to work for us at the start, mm. yeah. having Angie there. So wanting to be part of the family, spending time with the family is key for me. Because mm. they're the people I love. Because I, you know, I got offered positions working in federal police, for example, you know, but I couldn't leave my family because it's such a core factor for me. You know what I mean? So having being away from them was not a not a not well, a thing that's ever going to happen. Also for you, because there's a five year gap, so there's also the older brother mentality. Like maybe because you you know he's younger, you kind of have to mentor him with some things. Because I, I, I don't think it's that. It's just that it's that connection. It's it's not about that. It's a uh, it's about that family is so key. The connection there being close, um, just you being there makes a big difference. You know mm. what I mean? Because we are all influenced by people around us, no matter who we are. So if we hang around with shit, we become shit. You know what I mean? So who else do I want to hang around with? Somebody who, one, isn't shit mm. and is good. So he influences <laughs> me and I influence him. Compliment. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the thing. So that's the key. The key is about who else do I want to be close to? Who, he, he, don't forget, there's the reciprocates, the, the good influence between myself and himself. Mm. You know what I mean? There, because don't forget that, like, for example, when I was working in the Department of Justice, that I, I was being more of an influence out than I was getting influenced in. Do you know what I mean? Oh so okay. having that together was was becomes, you know, the beauty. Mm. Mm. But not only that, it's, it's it's the support and the critiqueness of each other. Yeah. You know, the advice we give mm. to one another because we care for each other. And and like I say this to a lot of people, they say, oh, you know, I don't know where to start. You know, I want to. I want to personally, personally, you know, grow, uh, grow, and I don't know where to, where really to work on. I'm like, just go ask your mum and dad. They'll tell you straight up. They'll give you a thousand things. Mm. You're lazy. You're th- they'll give you a thousand things to work on yeah. because they love you and care for you. They, they won't. They won't sh- be shy to tell you the truth. And I think that relationship between my brother, we've always had the truth for one another. Be careful here. You know, mm. you know, watch your step here. You, you're falling apart. You know. Mm. And alhamdulillah, we've had some great mentors along the way. I think it's it's a very important uh, element to. To really touch base on, I think I think a core of, of our business success 
we we touched base on this because alhamdulillah we were learning under a sheikh uh, at the time and and we were going through the journey of islam and 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 the sheikh goes to me and i'm a you, you guys are a bit of a, you know deceptive people <laughs> and we're like what do you mean you know me and i'm at that time thought we were pretty honest people you know yeah uh and he sat down he goes come on so we went on our website at that time fiesta events and catering and we and Ahmed ripped every photo under the sun from Canada, and we <laughs> no made our, we made our company look like it was you know uh, <laughs> test, uh, Tesla at the time. <laughs> and me and Ahmed only had one van, and it was only me and him, and and we had one person in the warehouse, and we we made it look like really like we were spotless catering or Delaware North at that time. And he said, "What's this? Is any of it true?" And we said, "Yeah, the name. That's <laughs> 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 the truth." Subhanallah. He said. Subhanallah, he said, as Muslims, first and foremost, the Rasul was known as the Amin. And uh, at that time, me and Ahmed swore black and blue, moving forward, that we'll never lie to ourselves mm. and lie to the people. So we went back and put our website, we put our photo of the van, we put out, and Allah yeah. subhanahu wa ta'ala doubled and tripled. Yeah, our amazing. Subhanallah. Yeah. And th- uh, that I truly believe that was a block yeah. for the Rasul. Mm. Because when you are truthful to yourself, you're truthful to others, mm. and mm. this is this is this is when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala removes those shades and opens you up to others. Yeah. And mashallah, we've we've got, you know we've had huge and contracts in events catering. Yeah. You know? And only when biggest we deserved contracts it. in Melbourne. Only when we deserved it. Yeah. Like imagine yeah. if we got that first con- like the one of the biggest contracts we have now. If we got that then, we would have buckled. We would have couldn't handle that kind of pressure. Yeah. You know what I mean? But Subhanallah, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala opens doors gradually. You know what I mean? You know, it's just and that's the, it comes back to he will only test you or give you what you can bear. Hmm. And this is what you have to understand. And because testing is the same thing as being able to cap- capable. Hmm. So why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be unjust and give you a contract that's worth 10 million when he knows you're not worth it? Hmm. It's the same. But people look at it only as a test in the yeah. sense of calamities. But it's, it's, it's both. He will not give you something that you're not able to handle because it's unjust. Hmm. It's unjust onto the person that wants it you know what I mean? Relationship. You know, at the end of the day, business is a relationship. That's what people yeah. fail to see. Business is built on a relationship, which is built on trust. Yes. How could I trust you? Yeah. Mm. If you don't have the know-how, mm. how can somebody trust us with a million dollars worth of food if we don't have the know-how? Mm. So it goes back to it's like us trusting you guys now in here to sit with you. Mm. You get what I mean? Because yeah. it's reciprocated. And just to show you along the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test you on your values and your core beliefs. You know, we we picked up the Rowing Victoria competition. Rowing Australia. Rowing Australia competition. And it's an international event. And part of that contract at that time, they wanted us to to apply for the alcohol side of things. This contract was nearly, at that time, was worth about $800,000. A lot of money. You know what I mean? So we said, look, we're more than happy to to contract for the food and the corporate side of the food. But the alcohol we don't do. They said, oh, you know, it's going to be very hard getting two companies and, you know, you know, all this jazz. We said, this isn't up to you. They go, look, apply without the alcohol. So we did. We did our thing. We, we contracted everything. And so we applied. And then they came back to us about maybe, f- what, two months beforehand. They no, said, sorry, guys, yeah, we're going with Come another on. company. I appreciate your time. We said, no problem. But we spent a lot of time and effort on this contract, yeah? You can imagine. Because it takes it's time. Tender. Mm. It's a tender. And we said, I said to Ahmed, whatever's khair, ma'ala, bring it. No problem. Done. Anyway, so three weeks before the event, we got a phone call, the CEO of Rowing Australia. Guys, we've had the company pull out. Whatever you want, 
you know, alcohol's not necessary. We'll find another company. Oh my God, subhanAllah. So, what now, this is what I'm talking about, ethics and, and your values. If we were people of money, we could ask for whatever we wanted. Because that's where the money was. Extra the money grand? wasn't the alcohol. Ex- extra 100 grand? Oh, okay. That would have been forced to take. That, yeah? So in the contract, there's more money in alcohol than there is in food. And it's tempting. And it's like people going to you, like when I spoke to the girl, she's saying, but you know, there's... That's where the money is. You know? yeah, everyone Why don't you want the alcohol? Everyone, everyone, knows, well. everyone knows in the hospitality game, in, in the events game, the money's in the alcohol. Not yeah. in the food, yeah? Not in the food. Everyone knows that. The real money. We're talking about like good yeah. margins in the sense. And we and she's like, are you going to do the contract? How much is going to cost us extra? We said, you know, we're people of ethic. What we quoted is what we quoted. That's, that's, where, that's what I'm trying to explain to you guys. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you say, you say you believe, what does it do? You think he's going to let you go? No. Test you. He's going to test you. So again, in the business, you claim that you're here for growth and you claim for these things. Mm. Come here, let's see. Let's see your ethics. Let's see if you're only about the money. Let's see. And people get lost. Mm. And that's what I'm saying. You, d- you defer one, one mile. Yeah, if yeah. your why is not crystal clear, ah, you, get caught out. Yeah. you get caught out. All yeah. of a sudden, yeah, I want an extra 100 grand. Then they'll, they'll pay for it. Yeah. Mm. But as they say, reputation precedes you. And that's what we, we've always stand with. We know what we're here for. And we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that. And alhamdulillah, we fulfilled the contract. And mind you, it, it, was, it was held at Ballarat. Yeah? And when we did the contract, I said to him, I said, look, you're giving me three weeks notice. I don't think anyone can pull this off. Because it takes a lot of preparation, staffing. And at that time, all I could do was lean into our networks. And our networks are Muslim, hijabis. Mm. You know, you, you're well aware of, of our networks. So when we went to Ballarat, I had 38 staff, predominantly Muslim-orientated, hijabis, doing a corporate event. You understand? And when we, we pulled it off, because we came in the vans, we you know how we set up? Even the organisers were like, what the <laughs> hell have we done? You know, are, we gonna, are these Lebos from, uh, from Brody going to pull this off? You can see it in their faces. You know what I mean? What the hell? Is this a, and they're like together. shaking their heads. And we, we, alhamdulillah, we always pull off uh, the event and we give out 100%. Even the, the CEO and even the council, they were shocked and the outcome but again like we know you know judge a book by its character they, 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 all they seen was you know these men in, and, and women <laughs> in hijab coming to take over Ballarat you know <laughs> but alhamdulillah even the corporates they were served by Muslim hijabis and now you can imagine yeah we've got Rome Victoria is, is one of the most influential uh, organisation mm. and throwing an elite an upper class elite yeah it's not it's not for the you know it's like tennis when it first started but mm. You know, so it was amazing to see, and they they seen that, and that's what we've always been about as well. Is really showing Islam for what it truly is. You know, what I mean, and I've always said to Muslims, you know, keep your mouth shut and just implement Islam. Act, mm. yeah, act apart. Act yeah. apart, and you won't have a problem. We're listening to a podcast the other day, um, Tim Ferriss and Hugh Jackman. It's one of his most popular podcasts, and Hugh Jackman's one of the quotes his dad taught him is, "Religion is in your character." Because he, he used to go to school and a lot of other people had used to have pins. I'm Jewish, I'm Christian, I'm Muslim, mm. I'm this. And then his dad never wore one. And he told him, you don't have to wear one because religion is in your character. Mm. You just do the right thing and someone will say, hey, I like you. And he goes, yeah, I'm Christian. It's like, okay, well, hey, I'm Muslim. And that's yeah. what you guys are trying to do. 100%. You don't have to walk around with a kufi and say, yeah. yeah. 100%. 100%. Like, yeah. You know, you bring me back to a story that I lo- uh, love telling. We were doing a uh, big, uh, was it? Soundwave, Soundwave. So now Soundwave, you know what I'm saying? In the events industry, Soundwave is like the mecca of events. Uh, We're talking about 80,000. Soundwave 000. was the biggest event in, ever held in Victoria. In Victoria. No, in Australia. In Australia. Yeah. Biggest oh, numbers so ever so to f- hold in a single... Soundwave is the biggest event. Sorry. 12, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, and at that time, we had nearly 22 metres of set of food retailed there. Which is huge. Huge. Monstrous. And we're talking about 80,000 people. We're the biggest. And at that time, my networks wasn't enough to get enough staff there. So I started putting, at that time, I think Gumtree was the only one we had. There was no seek at that time. And That's right. So yeah. I put an ad on, on, on uh, Gumtree, and all I got was Aussies. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I got this bloke, Darren. I'll never forget him. Darren. Hey, mate, yeah, I'm willing to do it. I'm here from Chuka. He goes, I'm down here for the weekend. I'm doing MMA and bullshit. I don't know what he was doing. He goes, yeah, I go, beautiful. I go, mate, be at the showgrounds at 8 o'clock in the morning. Now, all my Muslim client, uh, staff were supposed to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning. None of them showed up, except him. He was the only one at the door mm. at 8 yeah, o'clock. Early, yeah. <laughs> early I swear to God, he was the only one that was prompt and he kept his word. So I go, I'm not going to wait around here for the staff. I've got, I've got things to do, set up, you know, last minute things. So I brought him with me. Alhamdulillah, I had around 20 staff at, in the site and all of them were hijabis, Muslim. And it's like, he, it was like he was walking into Afghanistan. <laughs> so oh. he walked in. He's like this. <laughs> I go, is this the first time you've been around Muslims? He said, yes. I said, beautiful. I said, we'll talk about any, any misconceptions. Now's not the time for it. He goes, all right, no worries, you know. We also had Africans, uh, yeah. we had we Hindus. Had, yeah, I had everybody. I had we had everybody, everybody yeah. Like we, like we, like we had were very diverse. We had Christians, we had, we had Hindus. Yeah, we had, we had all denominations in our business. So at that time, I put him in the back of the food van where we were making beef burgers. Now, I had a Hindu here. I had a Muslim here. I had him flipping burgers, which he was a practicing Christian. We found that later. And then I had... Uh, uh, what's Ati, it called? Arti was, Ati. Ati was a practicing Christian. As well. And the conversation, we're getting slammed. The conversation happened about religion. Okay. And, he, and one of the Egyptian Muslim, you know, he's turned around and said, Mate, we're in 2012 and you guys still believe that Jesus is, a, is God? A man, what's wrong with you guys? Which opened the conversation. And everyone's giving the opinion, you know? And the Hindu goes, you guys are off your heads. Uh, you, know, the, you know, God is everywhere. You know, yeah, everyone's yeah. giving their theories, you know? And they're, and, and, and they're all doing enjoy and they're all working you know from their hearts for me mm. you know what i mean so anyway I, it was time for me to pray and we're getting slammed so i went in the cool room that's the only place you can pray in the uh, in events because it's everything's dirty you know what i'm saying i, I was praying in the cool room who opens the door darren darren <laughs> opens the door. he was supposed to get beef, beef patties he opens the door he looks at me and he's watching me pray and i'm finishing my prayer and i'm like trying to concentrate and he's right in front of me He's looking, he doesn't know what he did. Like he got stiff, like he, he was like stiff, he didn't know what to, to do. Anyway, I finished my prayer, he goes, I need to talk to you. I go, listen, now's not the time, we'll talk, and I'll, whatever you want, I'm more than happy to answer. Anyway, after lunch, alhamdulillah, we got quite a bit, and he came on the side, he goes, I need to talk to you, he goes, got things in my heart, I need to, exp I need to talk to you. I said, no problem. I said, I hate Osama Bin Laden, that time it was Osama Bin Laden, well, yeah, at that yeah. time it was Osama Bin Laden. I, I hate Osama Bin Laden and uh, uh, I love every faith. He goes, how do you know I was going to ask you about Osama Bin Laden? I go, that's usually the pronoun <laughs> for you yeah. guys. You want to know where we stand, you know? <laughs> I go to him, but here's one for you. I go, what do you think of Timothy McBay? He goes, he's a crazy man. He spoke to Jesus. He thinks he spoke to Jesus and he told him to blow up the Fed. I go, exactly. I said, your Bible needs a revamp. <laughs> so now... Yeah. That's what he, the misconception is what he thought of us. And he's like, you're right. He goes, I've never looked at it that way. I said, this is the problem. I said, you know, we've got wackos in every community. Mm. I said, and then he comes to me, he goes, but one thing I've got to tell you. He goes, I've worked for everybody. I've worked in the mines. I've worked, he goes, I've never seen a bunch of people that love working for you. You know, he goes, but 
the crazy thing, he goes, they're all different faith. Mm. He goes, how do you do that? I said, because we don't distinguish between our brothers. I said, we love everyone. And that's, that's what our prophets hey. have taught us. Mm. Regardless of their faith and what they believe. And I said, we've been taught to love everybody. Love their action. Mm. I said, if this, if, like I've had managers at Burgies that, uh, you know, Christians and I've invested in them more than the Muslims, some of them. But because they want it. They want mm. support. They, so for us, whoever's wanting to fill the cup, we're, we're, we're more than happy. I think even for me, when I was working with you guys, I can, I remember that, like just the vibe and the culture between everyone. It was like, it was work and you had to work hard, but you can kind of enjoy it at the same time. Yeah. It wasn't like, okay, I can only work. It's like, now nah, you can socialize too and you can chat, you can crack a couple of jokes. It's like you guys, I think when it was most busy, you guys were cracking the most jokes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you tried when to make busy, the vibe. having the most fun. Yeah, yeah exactly. You tried to make it I fun. I used to hate that. You know? Because I'm full <laughs> frustrated, I'm sweating. I'm like, why are you screaming at me, Ahmed? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, stop talking to me. <laughs> Leave yeah. me alone. But uh, I get the beauty behind it. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to touch on you said about like building people and you went from obviously fiesta and catering and to burgies and you had probably the same mindset you know we, the why is to help build people build future leaders but the how is through food then you guys expanded into like um, network foundations and also the leadership camp so when was that transition and like maybe because sometimes the idea is 2012 when these incidents happen and then action is 2016 when did that and you know, so we, we transitioned from Fiesta Events and Catering into Burgies. So we used to sell burgers at festivals, if you recall. But Burgies was the brand at the events. Mm. And then we grew that big in the events game that we needed a bigger warehouse. So we decided to go to a bigger warehouse. And to be able to pay the rent, we needed something bigger, meaning you had to go further down. Mm. We love being in Brunswick. So we decided to go on a main road and do a little burger set up at the front. Kiosk, the yeah. Kiosk mm. to cover the rent because such huge rent for such a big place. So we thought, you know, well, they will do burgers at the front because burgers, burgers were the biggest thing at the time. We noticed the events came, you know, with the trends because we were moving with the trends, you know, our burger sales was, was skyrocketing then because burgers became such a, you know, the gourmet burger product became such a big mm. thing. So that's why we decided to go with burgers. And know? at that time, the halal market was non-existence. Yeah. Mm. McDonald's, I think McDonald's was what Coburg. I think the Coburg one was, and then Roxy came uh, afterwards. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean. And then yeah, Bell Street came on, but mm. they were predominantly McDonald's at that time was McDonald's, saying no. McDonald's even though they were halal, predominantly, yeah. but they, in the sense that their process weren't. But they wouldn't. They didn't want to. They wanted to shy away from that stigma yeah. at that time. If you remember. So, so then we thought, it. yeah, that's what. We, so we moved into the burgers. So we were doing events, but what happened was, it's amazing how things change within an industry and. One thing me and Ibo did, we constantly evaluated the business on a yearly level. We, only, we always, you know, me and Ibo would go away every year and we'd align. You know, mm. where's the business? We'd check it out. We'd see where we are, you know, where we're going to hit for the next year. So, you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Mm. You know what I mean? So we're always constantly planning. And that's what we started going, you know, let's maneuver out of the events game a little bit and gear into retail. That's why we moved into Burgies because we noticed Burgies was getting a huge uptake. So we opened up the second store. So first burgers, second burgers. And during that process, because we were mentoring our staff and we have that mentoring process that me and Ibo ran, um, we, the concept of networks came about at the start as just purely networking in the Muslim business community and professional community. Yeah. So the network started at the yeah. start as a leadership training at the start. Because, yeah, because at that time we were setting up these businesses. So we started to lean on some of our networks mm. and tradies, you know, plumbers, electrician, and 
we got to a stage where we said, that's it, we'll never use a Muslim again. Yeah, because every time they, yeah. they burn you. you know yeah, they mean? burn you. They over the, they're lying. They, they don't roll they up mis- on time. You know, yeah, so we, we, we started feeling that way that, no, nah, we're not going to deal with our Muslim community anymore. Because every time we felt that we were using a Muslim, he'd disappoint us some way, somehow. And then I said to Ahmed, we can't feel this way. You know, there's there's some good people. Out you there. want you want to do something about it, at yeah, least. Yeah, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. And 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 and, and we didn't want to go to Coburg Mosque and take over a committee and do these mm. all these rubbish. So that that's where we started. We said, I think let's just bring good brothers together. I think that's what we uh, aim. So we we brought our the first event we did was at a play center. Yeah, so that was the brothers, all all the boys that were got them together and got them to get to know their mothers and fathers, close friends, yeah, close friends. People that started we cared about good good mm. good they people had, in our they community. They built the relationship. So as we always said, you're Network is your net worth. Mm. You, know, if you, you haven't got any net worth if you haven't got network. That's one thing many have always been building, constantly building networks within the community. Not only Muslim, but everywhere you go, you build networks. People build trusts. People start communicating. How, how many people came to that event? The first one. Oh, the first one's about 30, 30, 20, yeah, 30 But our mum was there. Their yeah, mums were yeah, there. Yeah, so more, because it was more look, family oriented. Like, like mm. you said uh, before, like we, there's a lot of people we know, but we don't know. We don't know the. The internal, how many kids they've got, what they do, but we know he's a good bloke. Yeah, like mm. to know him personally. Yeah. Yeah. Know him personally, you know, and, that, and that's one thing we we did with networks, and we're st- currently doing where people like you know, you know, like Ramsey would say, you know, like Subhanallah, I've known his brother for ten years, but I didn't know he had four kids and he's gone through a divorce or he's gone mm, and he's he's, he's, he's he's had these struggles or he's had these you know mm. uh, calamities or he's had these successes. You know what I mean? Mm. Because it's not that it's not like it's like oh, what do you do? You know, you can expose that. It takes time. It takes relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's that's the amazing thing uh, about networks. It just, subhanAllah, it became a monster yeah, itself. it grew itself. So it started with networking people. And then from there, we wanted to do mentorship. We sort of tried on mentorship. It didn't work. Trying to get mentors from the external community. Remember, we tried that Yeah, because yeah, people, people are more and than trust. happy to give their money, but their time, oh my gosh, in our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's we need you like a, an hour a week or to come in. And this is like a CEO of a company. He's like, bro, here's money and leave me alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. I've got no That's time. Disappointing, yeah. You know? and, and this is this is what was happening. So we noticed that the best way to do it was to, like, you know, we had a brother, Haysom. Uh, he gave us a farm. The first, so we decided to do a little camping trip. Mm. So, so the, the leadership retreat started as a little camping trip with a bit of leadership training within it. Yeah. I mean, Ibo doing within our business yeah. at the time. Like you know? the sc- we thought the scouts would start our own scouts. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a scout thing. Yeah. Well, it was a rainy day. Then the day we all put them all into this shed barn place, which was awesome. And we had a, we had a ball. It was amazing. It was our amazing. first one. We were learning and growing, we but learning, good yeah. brothers. Yeah, we had, yeah, we had Vic Paul up there. Yeah. They came That's and right. did so a so weekend. The first one, yeah, we had the Victoria Police come up there. And then Victoria Police said, if you guys ever do one, we've got a campsite. Why don't you guys do it there? Yeah, we'll oh, give awesome. it to you. Yeah. And that was at Melden. Yeah, we did, we Melden. Did, um, we ended up doing Just to show you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens the doors. So that, mm-hmm. And he said that he was, hello, the guy that came just to check out what we're doing, I remember him saying yeah, he's, he's Aussie. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie from Aussie. Epping. Yeah, and he goes to me, how did you find such good people? Yeah. That's like we said to me. Oh, that was wow. his exact words. He goes, how did you find such a And he's from the Heidelberg police station. He's yeah, one and, of the and senior. And these, these brothers are all Somalis, Lebos, yeah. Turks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're, everyone is like, you find such good kids like this guy what he's done he's seen the lebo somalis but he's seen the bad kids yeah <laughs> i mean yeah, he, that's he, all he sees what, what does he say he's not gonna go see so he's like he's, who's he dealing with the people that are doing crime they look like these guys but they <laughs> yeah. look like these guys like it's a shock like where did you find these good yeah, kids that was his, it came yeah, out of his mouth, mouth with such yeah. power to yeah. me that's why yeah. i remember it so well where did you find such good kids subhanallah. and subhanallah 
know what I mean? This is what you do. You magnetize yourself. When you're good, you attract good. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this guy goes, man, I'm more than happy to support you. I th- like this guy, this police officer, who's a senior police officer, who sits on the board of, of that campsite. So SubhanAllah. He's a treasurer. Mm. And he goes and that wasn't to your intention at all. No, no, no. It just came out of nowhere. He gave yeah. us a card. We thought this guy just being one of those, you know, yeah, no. nice, yeah. nice guys, well, like nice blokes. But we forget that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is the nice bloke. He's yeah. the one who presents and gives. Well, yeah. He, he yeah. said to me, like, when he sees, see, this is a culture shock for this guy. Why? Because he's so used to seeing all the baddies. When he sees a goodie in that color spectrum. That mm. makes sense. Yeah, he's going. Wow, there are good kids out there of this community. Changes his perception. Yeah, we yeah. change his perception suddenly now. Yeah, he wanted to support that. So when I called him up and said, "Hey, you remember me?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah don't worry. I got the site booked for you for Australia Day. Don't worry." Beautiful. He goes, <laughs> so "But I'm still talking to the board to see how how cheap we can get it for you." He calls me back. He goes, "Don't worry, we'll give it to you cost price, whatever yeah. it cost us." Uh, mm-hmm. that was the first two retreats that we did there. Yeah, we did two retreats there. Subhanallah. And then we grew bigger because we wanted to because we were being told off because we were including females. We didn't have space for the females because it's small. Yeah, and not only that, our networks were limited. Yeah, we're more male-based. Yeah. So, subhanAllah, we yeah. needed more female-based networks. Alhamdulillah. We so, we grew that part. You know? So, we all, we're always lacking. Yeah. You know I mean, we're still lacking now. We're still growing, yeah. subhanAllah. And uh, yeah, so, then we did. Then we grew into, we went up to the... Uh, Lord Summers. Lord Summers, amazing site. The best retreat we've ever had so far. Alhamdulillah, and then we had COVID Allah for two years, which Allah we haven't uh, able to do uh, it. Yeah. Inshallah, yeah. now Allah we're doing... Guys. Inshallah, now we're doing one in this Australia Day. January. January, yeah. So okay, 23rd to the 26th of January. Book your tickets quick. <laughs> inshallah. We'll put, <laughs> it in, we'll put it in the description yeah. just to make sure. It's a, subhanAllah, you can see like even the perspective on it's like trial and error. You want to just keep getting better. How you're saying like it's going to get better each and every time, which is a beautiful thing because Ali and I, for example, we've been doing this podcast for, I don't know, like two years now. We had a bit of a break and stuff, but we knew we were crap at first. Yeah. We absolutely sucked. Mm. And, you know, Except even that. now, it's like there's certain skills where, like we have to improve on, we have to do this. It's like it's a never-ending thing. And you guys now have done like three camps. Three camps or four? Oh, no, we're up to like six. Fifth. Six, six, six. Mashallah. And you've seen probably the change. Oh, yeah. every, time and we it's like every time we see the retreat, we notice the improvements. Like, subhanAllah, like, what people don't understand is that us as leaders, that when you go to the retreat, we grow more. We grow more than the people that are growing. Mm. So this is the key. When we see ourselves growing, we know that we've succeeded. So when you see the exponential growth mm. within your own self, when you leave, you're such a high. You know what I mean? Because subhanAllah, you know, when you have an effect, it comes back to you tenfold. Yeah, 100%. And, 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 and the biggest example is our beloved. You know what I mean? It's just, that's, I can't give you more than that. You know, Abu Bakr, Amar, these people that proceeded after them is because they gave the most. You know, Amar said, "I can't compete with Abu Bakr." What does he mean by that? Is mm. because he gave more than he can than anyone else can give. And that's you look at the the, the passing of the deed. Whoever gave more, it just kept on yeah. receiving more. You know, what I'm trying. So even the ulama at the time, they say, "How does uh, you know Al Ghazali write so much books?" In our time, even if he tried to, he couldn't. Yeah. But Allah Subhanahu wa Taala puts their barakah in their time. Gives them the mm. ability, and this is this is reality. The more you give, the more you, you've heard that you shall yeah. receive. You know what I mean? And that's what we touch base. And uh, very important, I want the the Muslim audience to understand. When you look at the Quran and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's commandments, He's talking to Alamin, and this is what we have to understand. He's not only talking to the Muslims; He's talking to also the unseen, the jinns. Mm. So the ruling is one plus one equals two. Doesn't matter if it's a non-Muslim or Muslim. Mm. And these Muslims haven't understood this. But the non-Muslims have. So they understand when they give charity, they'll get tenfolds. Mm. They understand the rulings. They understand our rulings. 
But unfortunately, as Muslim community, we don't have that understanding. We look at the Quran and we look at the Hadith of Rasulullah like they're fictional. You know what I mean? They're a good storyteller. You know, it's like Aladdin or you're reading about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially our community, our young community. It's like, yeah, you know, you're talking about 100 years ago, you know. Mm. But they understand. The ruling is one plus one equals two. And the Rasulullah he went to Medina and started his own marketplaces because he understand. He understood that it all starts with uh, economics. He understood that. He, he, he started something for the community. He started something that he could control and support the community. To this day, we haven't got a marketplace. And this is what we have to understand. The Rasul did these things because he wanted to pave the way for us. But uh, unfortunately, like even Badr itself, you know what I mean? The examples. To this day, you got Napoleon counterpart using that as one of his examples. Mm. These guys looked into history. They no military training. The Fafa had no military you know training. What I'm trying to say? These, they looked at, why was he building trenches? You know what I'm trying to say? These, these things, they, they always looked at because the Rasul example, that's why they gave him the most influential man in the, in the world. Mm. Mm. They cannot give it to him. Mm. They cannot give it to him because history, the outcomes. Look at the outcomes. Yeah. We yeah. are the outcomes of that. It's amazing. You know I, mean? I wanted to touch on you said you want to build future leaders. And that word hit me because it's like, I would like to understand what do you mean? Like, what do you want to build in them? Like, is it characteristics? Is it certain traits? Is it I'll mindset? I'll give you an example. You might know one of these guys. I mentioned his name. Building a future leader is, for example, having one guy that I met who's cutting lawn in my mum's house and bringing him in and then becoming, uh, when he came to my business, he said he wanted to be a mechanic and then becoming an engineer and one of the first paid graduate engineers at a high rate because he was managing my business when he left. So getting in a future leader, meaning building capacity with people that can have an influence tomorrow where... For example, where that person was living in a commission house, now can own a house for himself and his, his mother. Mm. Th- this is a future leader, somebody who can lead himself mm. yeah, and support our community, the wider community. It doesn't have to be the Muslim community, but the Australian community because we're living in it. Yeah, does that make sense? So you try to get the most out of them. So we have a lot of people who are incapable. Incapable. Like, I'll give you an example. You know, imagine... You guys living here, yep, in this house where you have to pay rent, mm. pay it for everything, mm. without your parents' support. How capable are you going to be now? How hard is it going to be for you guys to live without the support that you got? Mm. Now you've got capacity. Big difference. We have a lot of people who are so reliant on so many things around them that they're incapable. They're just living the life mm. where you don't need anyone to be able to grow. There's a difference between capable and incapable. There's a lot of trees out there, I say, but not many trees with apples on them. And the outcomes of these apples that we see, people that are producing constant apples. This is, this is the true human beings that are leaders. Leaders are producing apples. They're trees with apples. And these apples are feeding everybody around them. But we have in the Muslim Ummah at the moment, a lot of trees. But who do they benefit? Except themselves, hmm. their own family, their loved ones. That's what we have. We have amazing, beautiful, big trees. None of them have apples. That's the difference that we want. Mm. When we say leaders, we're building trees that are bearing fruit. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's basically like taking extreme ownership as well. Because we have to be part of that process. Mm. Because if you're not fertilizing these trees and making sure 
that they're breeding out apples, then nothing but, works in but the community. It's, it's like when I was mentored by a, a non-Muslim. He said to me, at that time, you know, I was very broady, you know, my language, my demeanour was very, you know, you know, I was in Camberville, I was brought up in Camberfield. So he came up to me, he goes, you're a diamond. I'll never forget this, yeah? I go, what do you mean? He goes, but a diamond's worthless. I said, he goes to me, when's it, when's it worth something? And at that time, I, I knew, because when you cut a diamond, depending on the cut, is when it's worth something. Mm. He goes, let me cut you. At that time, you know, he was one of my mentors. And we have a lot of diamonds in our community. A lot. But they need just cutting. They need refinery. Nobody mm. wants to be polished. Mm. And that's the biggest problem. When you take a, a teacher on or you take anyone on to cut you, it's, it's, it's hard reality having a look at the, the yeah, it's tough. Just mm. to understand where your weaknesses are, where, you know, your, your pros and cons are. But that's the reality. We see a lot of diamonds in our mm. community and non-community. Mm. But they're never given an opportunity. And the reality is, you know, at that time when I was applying for jobs, just for my postcode, I wouldn't even get an opportunity, even though I was overqualified. You know, we live in a world that, that this is the reality. Mm. You don't know how many sisters are looking for jobs, hijab, that can't get a job. Mm. It's, 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 it's fact. Yeah. You know, we have so many girls saying, oh, alhamdulillah, thank you for giving us a job. Because yeah. if we go to job interviews, nobody gives us a job. Yeah. Why don't we have more of these Muslim businesses like that? Mm. Because oh. at the end of the day, bro, this is what happens. Ooh, nah, bro. It's not good to put a hijab at the front because it's not good for business. Mm. Mm. Sometimes we have that way one. business, yeah. yeah. No, because we're going to lose the customers. We've had people throw the menus back at citizens' hijabs at Burgess. When we first oh. opened, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were throwing menus at them saying, we, we don't want to buy from you. Yeah. I wanted to touch on the camp because obviously you've seen, you've done I think five, six camps. You said you've seen the transition that people took away from camp. Some people took something maybe small. Some people had drastic change. What are your guys' intention for, like, the takeaway? You know, like, if there's one thing that you want someone to take away from the camp, because, inshallah, a, a lot of people will take... I get what you mean. The, the, the retreat itself is a two-prong approach. The first prong is about connection. We're getting beautiful brothers and sisters together. And we're connecting them. So it's about connections. Imagine these connections that you build today, you know, that you're going to take away tomorrow forever. Imagine that, yeah? Ten years later, one of these guys might be a CEO of a major company. Mm. You have a connection with them. And that's what we say first is connection. Build connection with these brothers and sisters. You never know where you're going to go with them. 100%. And, and you get to know brothers. Like we've had people from Sydney, Adelaide. We've had brothers from Sydney go to Adelaide and they got hosted by the brothers in Adelaide oh, because yeah. they got to know each other the retreat, yeah? So that's the connection factor, first and foremost, yeah? The second one now, inspiration and motivation. So where we inspire and motivate to want more for yourself giving you some key formulas and skill sets that you can take away and build upon. And also call on the support if you need it. We're always going to be there for you. And we've had a few brothers and sisters that we've also personally mentored after because they seek that mentorship. You know, they've built businesses. Alhamdulillah, there's a couple of brothers and sisters that I know that are earning over, over a million dollars a year who started as just workers, who somebody, somebody who's working for somebody and mm. Mm. had that motivation, inspiration to want more for themselves. And now I'm employing six staff. Uh, I think also on, uh, touching on that is because what we've realised in the last five years doing this is that the Muslim youth have a struggle with being Muslim and successful. Identity factor, yeah. Yeah, coming together. That, that, that I have to compromise my deen to be successful. Yeah. You know, we've we really seen that a lot. Like in all, 
to for me to have the relationship with my boss to say, listen, I do pray, I do fast. It's like, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's no, I better not have that conversation. But the reality is, we and, and it comes back to what is success. You know what I mean? You know, like we spoke about in the boardroom, that some people might see success as the Lamborghini, mm. driving the Lamborghini. You know, you're looking the part. But success, as we know as Muslims, is obviously following the footsteps of Rasulullah and, and being the best of examples. But you know, we've, we 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 try to make sh- these juniors understand that the true success is contentment. That's the true success because if if you know that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is the He's the one who gives mm. and He's the one who takes, then everything is easy. Mm. You know what I'm trying to say? Everything is easy because you're ready for whatever He's given you. If it's a million dollars, your test is a million or two, then be ready for that and be grateful. Mm. If it's only two hundred thousand, it's only a hundred thousand. But our job is to do our best. You can't be sitting at home and saying, "Oh, I wish," and "I wish." That's what we. That's what we. That's what we try to push. That action must take place. You can't like anything like this podcast. Like the the ruling for me in Ahmed, if you didn't call me three times, I wouldn't have came here. Mm. You called me more than three times. That's why I came. Because if you're not persistent, if you're not showing me your your eager, then you're wasting my time. Mm, that's true. This is this is one of the formulas that we run. So one of the formulas that we speak about: start with action. Any anything you do in life, being prayer or being business, you start with committing action. You went and bought these mics, yeah, bought the cameras. So you mm. committed the action. So when you had that product and did something with it, you saw results. So what happened? You built belief. Suddenly mm. you started believing what you're doing, correct? Yeah. Before there was minimal belief. But now you did a podcast, now you have belief in it more, correct? Mm. That's what happens. So this starts action, belief. After uh, results, after results, you get belief. So what happens? When you get the result, commit more action, mm. correct? Then you get better results. Yeah, more belief. And belief it just keeps correct. on cycling, yeah? A lot of people get stagnant in the business cycle or in the, in the Salat cycle, in the Islamic cycle. They start committing action. They're, su- they're praying every day, yeah? But they commi- they, they're suddenly, there's no more growth, yeah? Mm. Because they're committing the same action, yeah? Same belief. How do we keep growing out of that? And this is where we become, it's where you need a vision. It's when you have a vision, a bigger vision than yourself. And you have a, this is what we teach these guys. So commit to the action first, yeah? Get some results. Believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing and have a vision. When you have a vision, like the Rasulullah who is the most visionary human being, he told us about Rome going down. Mm. Told us about, you know? Islamic empire spreading around the spreading. whole world. So, yeah. so that, but, but, but not, not a visionary n- Not only that, but at the worst times. The worst times. Mm. Like <laughs> he, he was being attacked by 6,000 there was only 300 of them. Yeah, digging yeah. a trench and he's telling him, give me the Bolger, we've t- conquered Rome, yeah. we've conquered Persia. So, you know, if it's like me now saying, you know, we're going to take and America and Russia. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you think you're mad. Yeah. Yeah. This guy's mad. You know what I mean? And we've got, and we've got a, you know, Indonesia's coming to attack us. On top of that, like, what's wrong with this bloke? We're only three hundred. But this is the visionary that Rasulullah and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gave him this this ability, obviously. But this is what he did. He did yeah. very well. This is what we need. We need people that have bigger visions, hmm. and this is the key. Yeah. So you need to have a bigger vision in your business model, or in your Islamic model. So personal and you're like your service. Physical, yeah. mental, and spiritual. Remember, there's three realms that we run. Mm. Some people, are, as we know, they're very spiritual oriented. Mentally and physically, they're incapable. Mm. Yeah. And you have people that are physical, like for example, an athlete who can run, you know, mashallah, he sounds like a dumbass. Yeah? Mm. No spiritual connection at all. You need to have three realms of work. 
work on your physical constantly, work on your mental constantly, and work on the spiritual. And these all have to have an action, a belief structure, and a vision. That's the yeah. key. They're the keys that we are teaching at the retreat. I got sense. I got two things before and because uh, on the retreat there's probably action people want to take. Is there any like books you recommend or podcast or something right you recommend? There, brother, the magic of thinking big. I saw it stood out like a mile. Okay, that's good we to know. So we, that's one of the books we tell them to read. Is okay. We we get them a few books, but one of the keys I think is a really good book is the magic of thinking big because it gives you some good horizon openings. Um, but uh, the the retreat itself comes with a booklet that we've built. Okay. And we always go back to that booklet. So you have to go to the retreat if you want to get the booklet. No shortcuts. It's a course outline. It's a yeah. course outline. So because it starts with is it, there's a process. Mm. We build the intention and clarify the intention. Then we start working on action, and then then we start working on these different formulas of success. And how do we do that? And we talk about friendship inventory, for example. You know how important it is to have great friendships. Mm. So we go through all these different exercises. We we talk about team building. There's so many different exercises that we built in this, you know, uh, booklet. And it's just evolving as and, well, and it's yeah. evolving constantly. Every every year it improves. So the first booklet compared to now is oh, but it's the amount of effort we put into that booklet as well, and the resources we find, and you know, and we've got like a life life circle that we do there, understanding where in your life and what matters what, part, what matters in your life because some mm. people spiritual aspects more important than the physical aspects, so they need to work on that because they've already fulfilled the physical. Mm. So we, we need to identify where is our weakness or where is our strength. So we do that through the booklet as well. That, that's why uh, the growth factor is all, you know, is in multiple stages, you know. Mm. I think it's good that like you're breaking down these things with people because I'll, I find even sometimes with my friends as well, they don't ask these questions about themselves. Like what, what do you value people in your life? People are shocked. Like, oh, well, I've never, I've never seen it that way. And it's mm. like, well, it's in black and white and there's a book there that you can go back to. Mm. And I'll give you an example, you know, and I think one of the, really beautiful beautiful you know uh, example was we had a brother who went to the first first retreat remember that brother that came to the office mm. he came to us and he was telling us after what five years was it yeah four years he said he goes you've changed my life we didn't know yeah and I've, I've, last I've, time we saw him was at the retreat him. he was he the was first like, retreat. i'm talking about from being dressed like you know what we call it thug life you know yeah to the retreat to coming dressed in a suit and very well spoken he goes, bro, you've changed my life. I just want to tell you. Uh, he hugged me. He had a bit of a cry, and I'm like, Allah Akbar, you know, mm. you know, it, it's this, and, that, and we've realized that that sometimes you can touch somebody once, and you can change their life. That's know? all they needed, you know. And Muhammad Ali, Allah is probably the best example. We spoke about that as well in relation to, you know, I was watching This Is Your Life, and they brought everyone that's influenced him, and the police officer that seen him on the street fighting took him to a boxing ring. That's all he had. That ten minute interaction with his mm. life, he grabbed him, put him in the police car. He goes, "You got a lot of energy. I think it would be, you know, very well put in this gym." So he drove him, put him in the gym, which changed his life. So they brought him back after you know forty years, and Muhammad Ali's hugging him and crying on the show. Talk, talk. He goes, "He goes, you changed my life." You know what I mean? And I you know, just one person can change your life. You know what I mean? And alhamdulillah, like we we that's what we, we got try a lot to of do. stories. But well, like we, we, we try to we try to we try to affect as much khair in, uh, that we can. Our mm. ability and capacity that Allah Subhanahu has given us, mm. and that's what we, are, we understand that this is a, a man and this is a responsibility. Mm. We do you our best. Go both ways, don't forget, guys, because yeah. you, can, you can destroy somebody if you don't know what you're doing either. You try to, you know, push somebody forward, and you can destroy them if you don't know mm. what you're doing. Yeah, it's man, if you haven't got, you know, if you it's like if you if you want to act like a doctor, and when you're not a doctor, you kill people. Mm. You, you need to have the skill sets to be able to support. Mm. I mean, like Subhanallah, we had I had another beautiful story was with a sister who got mm. into medicine. Mm. 
90, 96, 97% I think she was. Mm. And she was telling me, like, you know, everyone's telling us too much of hard work. You're going to get married. Yeah. You know, why would you do medicine? Rah, rah, rah. Like, you know, it's not worth it, you know. It's tomorrow you're going to get married and stuff and all the <laughs> family's telling her, it's all about it, cuz. Mm. It's all right. You're a smart chick, but <laughs> enough is enough, you know. <laughs> subhanAllah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then, anyway, subhanAllah, the retreat, she goes, I want to talk to you. So, subhanAllah, we went to the beach, she sat down and started talking. She started telling me. And I said, subhanAllah, okay, what did you get? She goes, 97 point something, whatever. medicine, Melbourne Uni. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's saying, I'm not going to do it. I was like, what? <laughs> I said, close your eyes. What do you mean? I said, close your eyes. So I, got so I did a bit of a visionary session. She closed her eyes and saw her success after seven, eight years. And subhanAllah, she started telling me exactly what she was doing, where she was sitting, how many doctors were working for her. Ra, 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 ra. Mm. And then subhanAllah, she sent me a message saying to me, I'm doing my dream degree. Thank you very much for the visionary training. Mm. That, was, that was about a few months ago. Mm. But, but, but I touch, I touch base on this with a lot of young Muslims. And I usually ask them, why was the Rasulullah chosen? And they all look at me dumbfounded. You know, but they come up with, you know, he's the best creation. Mm. Best of all characters. But there is, there's something that, that, that has to take place that Allah SWT shows us. Mm. And the reality is there was no other man on the face of this earth that wanted more than him. And how do we know that? Because he used to go to Mount Nord Action. and contemplate. Mm. He scratch his head and say, these guys, what are they doing? Worshipping these idols. There's got to be something better than this. He's always searching. That makes sense. Mm. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala didn't. He, he doesn't give anything just for no reason. And the reason He gave it to the Prophet Sallallahu and we've heard hadith that Abu Bakr and him were competing. Mm. There's no other face. There was no other man on the face of the earth that wanted it more than him. Mm. That's why He was given it. So action has to take place. It just didn't. And He was the most trustworthy. And it was there was a lot of elements for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to give it to him, because the reality is it could have been anyone. It's correct. Mm. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. But why? Why him? A lot of Muslims don't understand this. A lot of young women, they don't, oh, they don't really understand why. And the why is very important. So you can understand you must take action and you must want it. And how do we know that? When he was tested, I said, come, we'll give you one day kingship. We'll give you one day. He said, if you give me this, the, the sun in one hand and the moon in the other, I will never leave this path. And that's what we're talking about. You have values. You have, you have your goals. Tomorrow, we've had opportunity. Organizations have come. I said, we'll give you 50 grand. Can we change your your name to our organization? Yeah, we had that well. Like. So like, <laughs> we're not here for that. We're here for yeah. cash. <laughs> and people will come. Life. People will come with different alternative. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, we, people wanted to come on board just to have the influence. You know, I'm trying to say. And so it's amazing how, you know, the Prophet Sallallahu was tested. Once you have value, once you have, you will be tested. Mm. Trust me on that. Once you know, you you kids have made intentions. Oh, I'm, I'm going to stop going out. Mm. And all of a sudden, from each angle, you're getting yeah. phone calls to go out. Because Allah subhanahu wa says, come here. You, how good you know your intent is. Yeah. And this is the reality. You know what I mean? Once you make an oath to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, be wary for the test coming. And the greater the, the oath, the greater the test. The earth, yeah. and that's, how, that's, how we get, that's how we strengthen as well. We ask for strength, we get... Okay, I had one thing I wanted to end it on. I, want, I like to end it on this question. And we'll try to make it quick because I think one over time. Um, what's one thing you wish you learned earlier? You know, doesn't have to be wise or whatever. Just the first thing that comes to head, you know, comes to mind. Big brother, can I stop. <laughs> so I honestly, I wouldn't change a second in my life. I wouldn't even wish anything because everything, Subhanallah, that I've learned has had a pre-step to it, mm. and you know, it's been a step-by-step -step process going up that ladder. 
one one step at a time. That makes sense. Because if I learnt anything earlier, it might have been detrimental to me today. So I'm so content with my growth and where I've gone step at a time. Because sometimes if you bite too much, you can choke as well. Mm. So, it's so being, alhamdulillah, I think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so incremental from growth-wise. And it's all, you know, everything has got a, a journey. free step. You know what I mean? SubhanAllah, alhamdulillah. I think uh, you always want more. You always want more of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you can do more. You know what I mean? But there's no way I can do that before. You know I mean? So why why not? Why do we want that? Think Why do we always look back and think, what can we do better? I, I, I never look in the revision mirror too much. That's why I sit at the front of the car. You know, It's a little revision mirror. Yeah. I'm always looking too much forward. Mm. Always look back to say, yeah, okay, great. I've... I've my intent is there and I've accomplished. You know what I mean? Mm. You don't look back. Does that make sense? That's that's always been my drive. It's true. Yeah. Never yeah. look back too much because I think a lot of people have that intent of looking back a lot more than they look forward. Mm. Mm. And a visionary the is always, was mm. always looking forward. Mm. I mean, that makes but sense. That's yeah. even something where it's like, don't think about the past, just keep looking forward. Yeah. You know, dream big and just keep focusing on that because you can't change anything that's happened. Yeah. All you yeah. can do is, you know, make the future at least better. You know, fulfill your potential. Alhamdulillah, bro. Our religion has got anything we've done wrong, we can seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we mm. all make mistakes. Yeah. So if, if we look back, we're going to look back and istighfar, for example, for something mm. we've done wrong before. And once you istighfar, it's gone. Mm. Keep that can never happen, yeah. You know what I mean? Is there anything that I comes think for mind? me, uh, you know, when I was, alhamdulillah, trying to really learn my deen and obviously understood the only way I could learn my deen is just to learn Arabic. So like your journey, you know, alhamdulillah, I didn't get the opportunity to travel because I didn't have the money. Yeah. And I found a local uh, Arabic teacher and alhamdulillah, he was from Syria and really well, 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 uh, you know, he was really well learned in that, in that. So at the time when I was sitting with him and we were talking, you know, after, you know, he'd give me like, you know, the ABCs classes, you know, and, you know, pictures and, you know, of Arabic at the time I was learning. That He used to work at an Islamic school. So he that, that day he didn't give me homework. And I got frustrated, you know, because I was paying money for this as well. So, and he didn't come with homework that day. And I said, where's my homework? He goes, oh, I didn't get the chance to go to the library to photocopy the book. I'm like... But you work in Islamic school, why don't you just print the page there? And he looked at me, he goes, Astaghfirullah. He goes, you want me to stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a couple of papers that are not be used for my for my personal use on the day of judgment? So I looked at this bloke. Just two papers. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. wow. You know, I've been around people that have never dissected to that degree. So at that time, I started bawling my eyes. I go, what hope have I got on the mm. day of judgment? I mean, and I, because we, I, I knew him personally, and I said, I used to ask him, "Oh, what's the worst thing you've ever done?" He said, "Me back in Syria, you know, women used to sit at the front, and the men at the back at the cinemas, and we used to chuck photo, you know, little pens with our numbers, and try to pick them up." And I looked at him, "Is that the worst thing you've ever done?" He said, "Yes." I said, "I'm, I'm, I'm in <laughs> tears now. I'm like, where am I going? And where's this bloke going?" Yeah. And then he goes, "He goes, why are you crying for?" And I'm like, "So what hope is there for me?" Like, he goes, and then he started crying. What are you crying for? <laughs> he goes, what hope is there for me? He goes, he goes, you have to understand. He goes, I came from an environment where salat, psalm, uh, you know, doing good things was the norm. He goes, you've come from a situation of the opposite. 
But he goes, your astaghfirullah, he's got greater weight in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You gave it up for him. He said, he, he goes, because if I was tested, maybe I would have failed. He goes, if I was around the clubs, the alcohol, the environment, he goes, maybe I would have failed. He goes, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't put me to that test. He goes, but you've given that up for him. He goes, that's, that's greater in the sight of Allah mm-hmm. than what I've done. And today, and I understood. And mm-hmm. finally, Amr radiallahu anhu wanted to kill the Prophet. There's no other greater sin than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened his heart. So we, we, we get caught up in that, oh, what I've done in the past is going to, but that's when I started looking forward like Ahmed. Mm. I never looked back anymore. I understood, inshallah, with my intention, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will flip all those sayyat and all those bad things that I've done for khair. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I love the magic of thinking big, even that just that statement. It's like the bigger you think, the more you're focused on the future. You even f- you forget about the past because you're so f- focused on what's to come. It's not only thinking it, subhanAllah. It's not only thinking big. Mm. And, and subhanAllah, I was just talking about that two days ago to the brother that I mentored. It's about verbalizing big. Subhanallah, I was looking at a research. I did a post on my Instagram about it where a study showed amazing when you verbalize a thought a positive thought yeah it's 10 times more likely that the outcome is going to be positive when you verbalize it when you verbalize a negative thought it's 40 to 70 times more likely for it to become mm. negative that's what the salam said speak good or be silent amazing right look at that look at yeah, the wisdom behind powerful. it said it speak good word or be silent because if you speak a good word a positive word it's 10 times more likely for you to get the outcome yeah if you speak the negative word 40 to 70 times more likely to, to get a negative outcome that's why you have to be silent when those negative thoughts come to your brain do not verbalize them follow the sunnah rasul these are key, key learnings mm. for growth. And that's what we talk about. One plus one equals two. And these guys, it's amazing. People don't see that. We need these research papers to tell us this. No, no. Yeah. You know what I mean? We need these research from Harvard. Yeah. This is a research paper that lady did from Harvard. Mm. Mm. Well, work about it, yeah? yeah? There's a very, very good podcast you should listen to on this. It's by um, Tom Billier. He's got a podcast called Impact Theory. And he had a guy named Trevor Moad on the podcast. It's like 35 minutes about negative thoughts and he talks about this and he gives real life examples where, for example, there was a guy in a train and his job was to come fix the refrigerator section in the train. So he got in the train and he got locked in. Okay? And he talked himself to death. He started writing on the walls. It's getting colder. It's getting colder. I can't do this anymore. I don't know how long I'm getting fussed by. I can only write on one hand. And then when they found him like 12 hours later, they opened it up. The refrigerator was broken. It was the normal temperature, mm. it was temp- room temperature, but he talked himself with negative thoughts. Oh, and it's, there were so, it so many cases, times. and I was I've like, subhanAllah. Very interesting yeah. podcast, yeah. you guys yeah. should start out. And unfortunately, sorry, and also unfortunately, like in our society, I know with the, like my friends as well, they, the concept of joking, even using negative like statements or even just saying negative things to each other as a joke, but your brain actually doesn't know the difference between joking and not joking. 100%. So that starts to like embedded in your brain over time. The question I ask people is, where does that come from? Mm. A lot of people I say, because they, they say to me, oh, you know, it, it, it just comes out. I said, where does it come from? Where, 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 
dig deeper, and this is the key here. This is a very, mm. very deep key that people don't understand. We know that Rasulullah was praised in the Quran once, correct? What was he praised about? This is the only time Rasulullah was praised in the Quran. He didn't say you got the best, the best uh, warlord, you're not the best uh, leader. He never said that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran. He said, for you have the best akhlaq. Yeah. question is, how do we have best akhlaq? How do we have that beautiful, amazing akhlaq that Rasulullah had? What is, what is the foundation of that? You know what it is? Husnuzzan. Thinking the best of people. Making a hundred excuses for your brother. How can you think? How can you act bad towards a brother when you made a hundred excuses for him? It's impossible. Mm. This is the foundational aspect of our deen. When we think the best of people. We make a hundred excuses for them. This is key. You want to represent our deen and have husn al-khuluq? You have to make excuses for your brothers and sisters around you. And we'll give you a very simple example. Uh, tell him the brother, the, the, the brother that's, uh, that we met at the funeral. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. You know what I mean? You can't make excuses. Uh, we, we, we went and shook hands with the brother. You know what I mean? We was doing our condolences. We didn't know that he was blind. And, we, and the guy didn't even shake our hand because we put our hands out and he, like, he just shrugged us yeah, off. Yeah. And we found out later he was bro- blind. Me and Nibbe got upset thinking like he dis- was disrespectful because a lot of community leaders were there. We were mm. all there. And this guy like... You probably weren't the only one that day as well, upset for yeah. that guy. But subhanAllah, you know? Mm. And then we found out the guy's blind. Subhanallah. 90% blind. He didn't see us. But this is the... See, why, why should we... Why do we have the right to even get upset? Mm. Why? Not even... Or even be annoyed. Not that we were upset, but we were worried about like, what did we wrong this guy? How did we wrong yeah. him? Why is he, why is he being rude to us? You know what I mean? What mm. have we done? But subhanAllah, after that day, wallahi, I, I made a very conscious decision. I have to make 100 excuses for our brothers. That's sunnah. It's the hardest thing to do. Yeah, it really is very hard. Really very hard. And, and, and this is the key. How can we survive as Muslims if we don't make excuses for each other? Wallahi, it's amazing. I have been in situations when like two brothers were head to head and because they were standing where they were standing, the way it looked, but from my angle where I was standing, it could look completely different. When I showed them both to see each other from my angle, they were shocked. 100%. It's perspective. And sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't give you the perspective where you're standing. Mm. Or not even only standing. Talk about standing mentally. Yeah, but our beloved, our beloved sitting in the masjid and a Bedouin comes and urinates on the corner. The best of the best were there. Amr radiallahu anhu. Uthman. Amr sword straight out. <laughs> wanted. Look at the Rasulullah's perspective, man. Allahu Akbar, man. He, he, look at the perspective he had. He knew firstly he was a Bedouin. He, f- he knew who's a, he wasn't the most wisest person. person. He said to him, hey, Amr, take it easy, mate. Amr was ready to chop. How dare he disrespect our Prophet? How dare he disrespect the holiest land? This is what he's thinking. And rightfully, he's thinking right too. And this is our community today. How dare he rip my sister's hijab off? This is the perspective. But look at the Rasulullah's perspective. The best of mm. creations. Our example. He said, leave him alone. Let him finish. Yeah. Allahu yeah. Akbar, let him finish. Have a look at that. Imagine mm. if that happened today. Let him finish. Yeah. Imagine if, for example, someone came, we went outside and someone was, you know, urinating on your car. <laughs> Just a car. <laughs> Let that, finish. T- yeah. I'm telling you, look, you do, you, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. But the Sahaba were like amazed. Let him mm. finish. Allah Akbar, this, this, that's what we're talking about, this perspective of 
in the worst moments, Ya Allah, the mm. worst moments, and he showed, and that's what we talk about, you know, you only truly see a person for who they truly are is the worst moment. And this is the hardest time to make excuses for, brother. In your hardest time, when you're on the floor, down and out. And you know, even with that statement, they say if you can't make a hundred excuses or seven excuses, you're supposed to look internal because maybe you're the one with the floor. Mm. You know, and that's what they say. Like we, we see the things in other people that we have inside ourselves as well. You know, we hate the things in other people. It's like we should be looking internal. You know, hundred percent. I think that's a hundred percent. I had a situation once where I was doing my accounting at Brunswick, and subhanallah. I remember walking out with a bookkeeper and my accountant at 11 o'clock at night in Avoca Street, one lane straight. A car drives past and two eggs fly out of these cars. My accountant's on my right and my bookkeeper's on my left. One hits me in the face and one hits me in the chest. Had a bruise this big on my chest. I remember that. And subhanAllah, I stood there and I, I already envisioned myself killing these guys. I envisioned myself <laughs> getting in my race car, <laughs> catching them. I saw it all, wallahi. Mm. You know, I saw myself catching them, smashing my car into them in that millisecond. Yeah, you already. You know what I mean? reaction. Yeah. Uh, and then I asked myself, why? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow this to happen? Mm. I started crying. I had this accountant and bookkeeper look at me. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> 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 you're crying because the egg. <laughs> 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 it's okay, Ahmed. It's all right. It's, it's uh, just an egg. <laughs> it's all right. So you're right. And it's like, no, no, no. It's all good, you know. And I was wiping the egg off my face. And uh, I went back inside and I asked myself why. Mm. I found an error that we I made in the accounting. We were launching good in our tax. Allah said, I fixed it. Mm. It's a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always. Whenever anything befalls us, from our either own hands. it's either from our own hands or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us and wants to raise us up. Mm. I think we have to wrap it up there. We're wrap. getting the time. <laughs> Sorry, I know. <laughs> no, no, no. Allah was amazing. Jazakallah khairan for both of you to come. May Allah, may Allah protect you and may Allah Ameen. keep our intentions only for his sake. And Ameen. Alhamdulillah. I think you guys know, you guys probably love this episode. Make sure you guys check out or go eat at Burgies and check out the camp that's coming out in January, inshallah. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Remember to like, comment and subscribe.